As we turn to Scripture, let us pray together. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Savior and our Redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Why do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. I have always loved the water. I was born and raised near Cocoa Beach, Florida, so water was a huge part of my life growing up. My friends and I spent endless summer days on the beach. We had a swimming pool at our house where we spent hours horsing around until our eyes were bloodshot and our fingers looked like prunes. We had a canal behind our house where we could paddle around in a canoe and watch sea manatees swim along and crabs skitter up and down the walls. It seems like I spent my whole childhood in the water. Now, as you might imagine, with all that water around, learning to swim is a high priority. And my parents had a very advanced technique for teaching me how to swim. They took me to the beach and waded out about waist deep in the water, stood maybe 15 feet apart from each other, and then threw me in. And I would thrash and gasp and kick my way toward the other parent, waves smashing and crashing all over me. You learn pretty quickly under those circumstances. Of course, one of the great secrets of swimming is letting go. You can't really swim while you're holding on to something, while you're clinging to something at the same time. No, you have to let go. You have to trust that you will float. You have to trust that the water will hold you up. Well, today we commemorate Jesus' baptism by John in the River Jordan, and we call to mind our own baptisms. And I think in the end, baptism teaches the same lesson that I learned on that beach when I was a child, to trust, to let go. I wonder how many of you remember your baptism. If you were baptized as an infant, you probably don't remember much. I was raised Southern Baptist, so I was baptized around the age of seven, and I remember it pretty clearly, down to the flip-flops and the neon orange swimsuit I was wearing underneath my white robe. You see, this was no decently and in order Presbyterian baptism, where we dip our fingers into the water and then ever so gently touch the forehead of the person being baptized. No, there was a giant pool of water, and you got wet. 
They put every inch of you under that water and even held you down for a second or two just to make sure you got the point. Now, I disagree with my Southern Baptist friends about many things, but the way they do baptism gets us a little closer to what those people would have experienced in the Jordan River. As Matthew tells it, people were coming down to see John called the baptizer. And John was preaching all about repentance and renewal. And one by one, contrite sinners would step forward and trusting themselves to John's strong hands, they were plunged every inch of them beneath the moving waters. It was a pretty simple ceremony, really, nothing more than a bath in the river. But John's voice and those moving waters kept pulling people from their lives to come down and take a dunk. I wonder what made them come. Why did they come? Maybe some, some of them were looking to be healed, hoping that John was a miracle worker who could take away all the aches and pains of their lives. Maybe others were just looking for a clean slate a fresh start. You know that just bathed, tingling, freshly toweled off feeling in the morning? Maybe that's what people were looking for, for their bodies and their souls. A, a cleansing, a wiping away of all the accumulated dust and dirt and guilt and grime of their lives. And that's all right and good. That's all part of what baptism means. But that's not the whole story because along comes Jesus to be baptized and John almost refuses to do it. Jesus, so our tradition tells us, didn't have any guilt that needed to be washed away. He didn't need a fresh start with God because he hadn't messed things up to begin with. But maybe Jesus still needed what we all need, a reminder. Even Jesus was tempted to forget his deepest identity as a beloved child of God. Even Jesus was tempted to forget that it's God's grace that holds us up and carries us along. Grace that we can't make or mend or contain or control. Maybe Jesus needed to be reminded of all that because he was facing turbulent waters. Look at what happened next. Immediately after his baptism, that same spirit that came upon him in the form of a dove drives him out into the wilderness to be tested for 40 days. And once he emerged from the wilderness, Jesus found himself in heated conflict with the religious and political leaders of the day, conflict that leads finally to the cross. And look at what happened to John, the one who was doing the baptizing. He was quickly arrested and eventually executed. So maybe they both needed this reminder that the grace of God holds them up even in the midst of turbulent waters. And so they could trust. And so they could let go. They could follow the Spirit wherever it led. We need that reminder too as we face our own turbulent waters. I don't know what that might look like for you today. None of us is finally spared from the ache of grief, the unwelcome diagnosis, the relationship that grows cold, 
the unexpected change in job or life circumstances, the aspirations that turn to dust. Our life flows on like water, every day changing and churning, and sometimes it feels like it's slipping through our fingers. So we need to remember our baptisms. We need to remember, even if only in our imagination, what it felt like to have that water rolling down our forehead. We need to remember what I learned at that beach as a child, that if we kick and scream and panic, we only make things worse for ourselves and for our loved ones. But if we trust in the grace of God to hold us up, if we let go of our need to always be in control, we can find life and joy even in the midst of turbulent waters. That's why we keep this ancient and odd practice alive, splashing water on the heads of babies. That's why, have you noticed we do this? That's why when we do a baptism, we actually take the baby from the parents. Have you noticed that? It's a reminder that they are not finally in control, that they too have to trust in the grace of God and in the love of others and in the caring of a community to hold their child up. Maybe you've also noticed when we perform a baptism, we invite our children to come down forward for a front row seat. Author Brian Doyle writes about this practice in his congregation. We had not one, but two baptisms the other day, he writes. And while there were many moving and entertaining moments therein, what absorbed me after a while was the way little kids edged toward the event like avid, eager wasps to a summer picnic. I watched one boy, maybe age four, slip out of his pew and plaster himself against the wall, looking uncannily like a tiny cat burglar, and slowly slide along the wall toward the altar, gaining, grinning, grinning at those who grinned at him. I bet it took him five minutes to go 20 pews crawling along that wall. But the priest was being expansive and relaxed about pacing. So by the time the priest got to the actual baptizing, the cat burglar had achieved the end of the wall. Near the pillar where I counted, four kids crouched and wary and absorbed. We all sprint or tiptoe toward the sacred thrilled and hesitant and awed and skeptical all at the same time but unable to contain un unable to contain our joy our wonder for we know somewhere deep inside that yes there is sacred and yes there are miracles far beyond our kin and yes we are shards and aspects of the divine in ways we will never understand and yes when we gather together some reminder some gently opening window is possible. That's why we come to church, isn't it? That's why we gather in these ancient rituals and religions, because we need that reminder. I've lost my place in my notes. I need that reminder too. But think about, that's why we savor these sacramental moments, these moments where light breaks through, where the sacred breaks through, where a sudden rush of water washes away our despair. 
and fills us with hope. I love that image. We are all like small, shy cat burglars edging our way toward the sacred, thrilled and scared. We're all that boy, unable to resist the impossible possibility. I hope, I hope that you'll remember that image every time we perform a baptism. Cat burglars of the sacred sneaking up to take a peek at the impossible possibility of God's grace in our lives. Here's the bottom line. We live and move and have our being in God. That is the deepest truth we know. It's as if God is a great ocean and we are just learning to swim. And too often, instead of swimming, we cling to whatever we can find or we thrash and gasp and kick our way along because, because we're afraid or because we want to always be in control. And so we gather Sunday after Sunday to remind each other, it's okay. It's okay to let go. We can trust the waters of grace. Let's call this a New Year's resolution for 2023. Remember your baptism. Remember that you are beloved by God. Remember the impossible possibility of God's grace in your life and be free. Thanks be to God. Amen.